and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture, and we can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Well, I hope you're having a wonderful July so far, people. July this year is actually really busy for me. I tend to keep it quite clear because of the summer and how much I hate it, but I managed to get BlizzCon tickets last weekend, so I'll be taking a week off in November to go over to California. Of course, if you are at the convention too, please come and say hello. Another though is that my dad and my stepmom's wedding is next weekend, so I'm prepping a bit for that. I will say I am wearing a Grecian-inspired load of jewellery, so I'll make sure to put a picture somewhere if you're interested. But I also have another wedding in October in Scotland, so it's a pretty loved-up, busy year in terms of weddings. Speaking of marriage though, this monster kind of comes in from the betrayal of marriage, So it's kind of in theme, it's a modern urban legend from the depths of Japan and one that has definitely made a bigger impact with Covid. Yes, it's the Kuchisake Honor this week. You may have heard of this monster whilst browsing the internet in the noughties, or you may have even heard about it in the playground. But it's a monster myth spread entirely by mouth, which is ironic based on her affliction. The Kuchisake Honor is described as just a normal Japanese woman, However, she has a horrible secret hidden under a mask, fan or handkerchief, and it's that her mouth has been split from ear to ear, giving her what is colloquially known over here in the UK as a Glasgow smile. She carries a very large pair of scissors, and her main MO is to find unsuspecting victims to either mutilate or murder. Now here's how an encounter would usually go. You would be approached in an alleyway, and she would find the victim, and ask them if they think she's beautiful. If they respond with no, she immediately stabs them to death with the scissors. If they answer yes, she removes her mask revealing her hideous face and asks again, and if they say no this time, she literally cuts them in half. But if you do answer yes, unfortunately it's still not looking good, and she will literally carve your mouth like hers. She then just walks away. That's literally it. An important distinction here is people with Glasgow smiles in reality, they'll heal up and they'll have smile-shaped scars. However, the Kuchisake Honor will have a full open wound still. Her entire mouth will be visible with sharp teeth. Very, very grotesque, but it will never heal. She will always have this open wound rather than it ever healing into those smile-shaped scars that real people having those will have. However, there are a few ways you can get around being killed, such as asking her if she thinks you are beautiful, if you describe her as just average, saying the word pomade three times, or throwing a type of Japanese hard candy, which is called bekoame, at her, or just money at her. And this provides time for you to get away, as it either distracts or completely confuses her. It doesn't stop her, it just distracts her for a time being. I will say that sometimes she will just come and kill you in your sleep after this, so there's no guarantee this will work. 
Sometimes it is reported that if you respond yes to both of her beauty questions, she may take that as it is, accept it and leave. But again, not guaranteed that you won't see her again. Her other main power is that she has superhuman speed. But realistically, to cut a person in half with a pair of scissors requires a lot of strength too. I will also say at this point that we don't know if there's more than one, that if you answer the question as yes and she slits your mouth, do you become one? It's unknown how they reproduce or appear. It could just be one, it could be multiple. We really just don't know. There are also no noted ways to kill her, I'm afraid. And this is because they are a modern Japanese yokai, or in English that means demons or spirits, but actually even more specifically, they are called onryo, which means vengeful spirits. Onryo are usually ghosts that are capable of causing harm within the living world, however they are only ever usually described as women. These women would have been wronged in life and seek revenge in their death, and this was usually to do with their spouses cheating on them or murdering them, or unknown men murdering or sexually assaulting them which would usually lead to their suicides too if they were sexually assaulted. Onryo are still highly feared and respected within Japanese culture, and the Kuchisake honor is no different, and I'll go into her origin story more in a moment. But what about etymology? Kuchisake honor is of course a Japanese word, and it literally means slit-mouthed woman, as honor is a word for woman, Kuchi means mouth and sake can mean slit, as well as the popular rice wine beverage, which is delicious if you haven't tried it. We'll find over the podcast history that many Japanese monsters, especially ones with women, will have the word honour included in them, so you might want to note this down somewhere in your head, I suppose. It might come in handy, but it's always nice to know little bits of other languages too. In terms of history... Her legend goes all the way back to the Edo period in Japan, which was around the 17th to the 19th century, so this was 1600 to 1800. This was when samurai were still very prevalent within society, and of course we would consider this to be a pretty barbaric time worldwide. Whilst there aren't many specific times or experts I can read to you from this time, with any mention of them, I can tell you her story and then you can kind of see how she linked back to this timeline. So, according to legend, the Kuchiseki Honor was once a singular, beautiful and vain woman who was married to a very important samurai. Whilst he was off fighting, she grew really lonely and started having affairs about the town. Once the samurai came home and heard about this, he decided to make a hideous example of her and slit her mouth from ear to ear with his katana. She died from her wounds and returned as this onryo, seeking vengeance for the destruction of her beautiful face. It's sometimes also said that she had her mouth destroyed in either a medical or dental procedure that was done by a really jealous woman who was jealous of her looks, but the other is a lot more popular. And of course, the reason that scholars link this to this time of the Edo period is because of that samurai mention, as well as the power in beauty at this time within Japan. Whilst we know that beauty standards in East Asia are still very high at this day, 
They were even more back then, when a woman was mostly judged on how beautiful and proper she was. The samurai as a class was also abolished in 1868, so we know that the story has its roots from before then due to the power and control the samurai had in this tale. Of course, we do have to take into account that he is a man, she is a woman, there are going to be natural differences in the way that they are respected within any timeline, but we think it's from around this time. This monster, though, is more interesting in the fact that it's also considered an urban legend, which is a term that was popularised in the 1960s. These are described as cautionary tales or morality tales, designed to either shock or disgust the person into behaving correctly, and usually has a hint of the supernatural in them. The Kuchiseko Onna is an urban myth that became really popular in the 1970s in Japan, as she was published in a really popular magazine in 1979, which caused a massive panic in Japanese schools at the time, who, of course, the children were running around and telling their friends about this monster that their friend might have encountered. So it was really popular, and it led to these children being so scared that they were being walked home by members of their PTA due to fear of being attacked. Most recently, though, due to the nature of COVID and the usage of medical masks, reports of this monster absolutely skyrocketed between 2020 and 2022, which meant that more and more people got spooked by them, and so more and more people saw them, and so the rumours became a vicious cycle of sightings and fear. This also leads to people who of course have never seen them, creating more content around them, like me I suppose, and bringing out that story in different cultures, different countries, and so it moves on like it naturally does through word of mouth. It's a genius way of doing so, and the internet has of course opened up a massive pathway for this. And of course we do have to take the internet into account, and we have to kind of thank it for becoming a thing when urban legends were previously spread only by word of mouth. It means the audience for these kind of stories has massively increased, and of course they now have a global presence rather than maybe just a local town talking about them. Early internet forums such as 4chan and Reddit had paranormal forums, and they ended up becoming writing spaces for new writers trying to spook people into believing them. This is when Creepypasta was born in 2008. Slenderman is probably the most famous creation from this website, but it has a catalogue of creepy stories created by people way before the internet was a thing, but introducing them to people from all over the world through their computer screens, like they never could before. I did also cover Slenderman a while ago if you want to hear more about that phenomenon. Whilst the Kuchisaka Honor does have some stories written about her on this site, and other creepy chainmail type forums, the Japanese ghost girl trope is a massive one within these communities. Back in the noughties, when chainmailing people emails was really common, you would often get an email of a story of a Japanese schoolgirl falling into a toilet and drowning, or falling into a sewer whilst being bullied, then coming back as a ghost and seeking revenge against those who bullied her. And because you read the email, she's gonna get you too. Even thinking about those emails whilst I was writing this made my hair stand on end, just thinking of how much they scared me as a child. And of course, 
Japan seems really far away, you don't feel very involved, and then it's very much turning the coin on you as the reader, and you must forward it on to 20 of your friends, or she'll get you. I don't know where the intent for her would be like, oh, well, they've only emailed 19, it means I've got to get her. But it was a really common thing, and some of these early horror writers on the early internet picked up on these kind of tropes and made some really incredible art and stories on them, which, of course, to this day still absolutely terrify me, and if you do have a sensibility like mine, I wouldn't recommend looking them up. Whilst this is probably quite a harmful stereotype on the Japanese people, their style of horror is noteworthingly iconic, and one that Japanese directors have taken in their stride as a massive advantage, with epic and timeless horror movies, such as The Ring or The Grudge taking absolute top position, and are still massive fan favourites to this day, even though they were made in the 90s and noughties. The Ring even mentions the Kuchesaka on a myth, and we can see the influence that these kind of cautionary tales have on the horror movie and game market in places like Japan, where they do have this overall trope that they can take advantage of from the Western view. Now, onto modern media, speaking of which, there are actually quite a few here for this monster. However, there are less than I would usually give to you. I found enough to fill out this section, but I will say it's less than usual. These are just slip-mouthed, vengeance-driven media bits. So if you are hoping for the Joker from Batman, I've not put Batman on this list. You can count this, I suppose. But for others, be warned, some of them may actually be horror movies or they may be spooky. So don't be doing anything if you're under 18 and they are saying it's an 18. You're underage. Don't do it. It will screw you up. You'll end up like me and be really scared of everything. For art though, check out some independent stuff this week because it's awesome. It's awesome, but it's scary. But if you do want to see this in classic Japanese art, you can check out Ihon Sheoshiguri by Hayami Shungyosai from 1801. That one's a really good example of very classic Edo period art, showing off these monsters doing what they do best. In movies, we have Carved, Carved 2, The Scissors Massacre, Pompoko, The Ring, Kuchesake Honor, Kuchesake Honor Returns, Ketai Urasite, Kuchesake Honor, Smile, Smiley, and Coraline. For TV, we have Constantine, True Monsters, Scary Endings, Demon Doctor, Frankenfran, Hannibal, and Mighty Max. In video games, we have ones such as Yoni Rises, Shin Megami Tensei, Persona 2, Mortal Kombat, and Tuhu Project. My book recommendation this week is Toshiden, Exploring Japanese Urban Legends, and it's a series by Tara A. Devlin, who has three of these books, all on Japanese urban legends, which seems niche, but there are three books worth. It says a lot. There is a lot of content in these books, so I really do recommend them. But now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I'll be honest, I find urban legends a lot more believable than some mythical monsters. Oh no, shock horror. But I think it's partially due to the incredible storytelling of some of these creators, much like the creepypasta stories of Slenderman or The Rake, but the Kuchisaki Onna is even more ingrained as she does have historical roots that are traceable, 
but also Japanese horror does still parade these types of stories around, such as The Ring and The Grudge, for example. I also have a deeper respect and love for these type of monsters, mainly because I grew up hearing these stories, mainly because I grew up with the internet. And unfortunately, there were very few restrictions on the early internet at the time, as it was all so new, no one really knew what they were doing. I ended up finding things on there totally inappropriate for how old I was, which was a young teenager. I very literally grew up as the internet developed, including these kind of spooky stories and chainmails, including this monster. I remember this monster from my childhood. They really scared me, and they still do to this day. This one is no exception, and it still does creep me out a little bit. I think this one is really creepy. However, saying all this, it's very tricky to separate fiction from reality in these cases because they are just so well constructed. However, she is a little bit more believable due to her yokai status within Japanese culture as well as her historical background. But I think most will believe that we have a case just like Slenderman here, where it almost becomes written into folklore through fiction, and I think that is really awesome either way. And of course, she is historical, so she does have a right to be there too. But what do you think? Does the Kuchesaki honour exist and carve up people's mouths? Let me know on Twitter, I would love to know what you think. I love an urban legend, and this one is no exception. It's especially interesting following the Covid outbreak and the higher usage of masks, and of course the creation of the internet definitely making this monster a lot more prevalent within Western society at the very least. So it's a really cool one to look at, I'm really glad we've got to cover it, as I do remember it from my childhood too. Next week though, we're doing something completely different, and we're heading over to New Zealand for the first time, and I want to move to New Zealand, so it's one of my favourite places in the world, and we are looking at the Maori monster and guardian of the waters, the Tanihua. Make sure you respect the seas next Thursday for this monster, it's a really exciting one. But for now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can be found at mythmonsters.co.uk. And you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky, and I'll see you later, babes. <laughs> <laughs>